What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. More than 20,000 migrants have arrived in Chicago since last year. Many of them don't have anywhere to work or live. But a couple of communities have put together some interesting programs that offer Chicago some help. One is in the western suburb of Oak Park, which recently passed an emergency declaration to take in some of the migrants in Chicago. And the other one is St. Louis. Groups there are hoping to resettle hundreds, if not thousands, of migrants to boost the city's population and workforce. WBEZ reporter Esther Yunji Kang is on our race, class, and communities desk. She's here to tell us more about why these cities have taken on these programs and how the locals are reacting. Esther, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Hi, Erin. Hi. So let's start by talking about the village of Oak Park. It's a more wealthy neighbor of Chicago further west at the end of the Green Line. Tell me more about it. Yeah, it's it's the suburb right next to Chicago, um, to the west. Population is about 55,000. It's got great schools, high property taxes, and a lot of people who want to be close to Chicago's amenities but also have the benefits of, of the suburbs live there. Um, it's majority white, about 65%, followed by uh, 18% black, 10% Latino, 5% Asian, it's it's a really beautiful, picturesque, historic suburb, and it's generally considered progressive and and voting mostly blue. Okay, that was thank you. That was <laughs> you really painted a picture there. That's really helpful. Um, so earlier this month, the village decided to step in and help Chicago with the migrant crisis. What happened? Well, it's been sort of in the works. If you talk to volunteers and activists and, and faith leaders, they've been wanting to help migrants in Oak Park for a while. Uh, and a lot of folks have been volunteering at the uh, 15th District Chicago Police Station. That's mm. near Austin Boulevard, the city's border with Oak Park. Volunteers have been kind of getting to know migrants there, bringing tents and blankets and other items uh, for, for months. And on, on a cold and snowy Halloween night, I mean, that's kind of when really things kicked into motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Volunteers and activists brought the migrants that were sleeping outside in tents uh, to Oak Park. And over the next couple of days, like churches mobilized to to house some of these folks in their basement. And United Lutheran Church was one of them. Um, Mm. They took in uh, about 40 migrants in their basement for a few nights. I talked to Pastor Ole Schenk, and he said that even though sleeping arrangements were not ideal and they were probably violating a number of fire codes, <laughs> the, the church was a safe and warm place for, for folks to sleep in. And the kids like really enjoyed playing with all the toys there. Um, hmm. Pastor Shank said something interesting. He said in a crisis like this one, everybody can and has to do their part. Um, he kind of ties that sentiment with the type of community that Oak Park purports to be. Uh, here's here's Pastor Shank talking about that. When you drive the streets, you can see many houses have signs that say things like "Black Lives Matter" and and the Pride flag is very visible, and that all people are welcome, right? And so then, as those messages that we say and we live by become tested by realities. 
that really brings out what we really stand for. That is really heartwarming. Um, I know that, you know, churches can really be great safe havens for so many different things, uh, but they can't be a long-term shelter for forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Based on your reporting, city officials decided they needed to step in eventually. What happened there? Well, Oak Park officials, what they decided to do was declare an emergency disaster resolution. The village moved migrants into two places, uh, the Carlton Hotel and the West Cook YMCA. Um, The village has been paying those expenses since. And here is uh, Oak Park Board President Vicki Skamen at a meeting a little while ago. The city of Chicago is overwhelmed, as overwhelmed as we feel right now. They feel and have felt for a year. You know, Board President Skamen has been working very hard to to secure new funding sources for Oak Parks to help migrants. And not only that, but village staff have been taking shifts at shelters, meeting with Chicago counterparts, nurses helping with medical issues. So, yeah, Oak Park has been very busy uh, in the past few weeks. One thing she said, you know, kind of that overwhelmed feeling um, makes me think about some of the reactions Mm. from residents. Um, I heard that pastor talking about kind of the culture of Oak Park. But I'm curious um, what you heard from the actual residents um, who live there. Yeah, it's definitely mixed. Um, And that's reflected. I'll talk about the voices of the the trustees first. Um, the community's voices are reflected in the trustees' voices too, right? There are a few yeah. who, who, who are very much against spending so many dollars on these 160 or so migrants. Uh, and they say there are other vulnerable groups in Oak Park that could use that money, um, money that they were hoping could be used for building parks and um, other things. And at the same time, there's a lot of support too. If you're just counting like public comments, there's a lot of people who have voiced support for helping migrants. They're thanking Oak Park for sheltering them from the cold. They're saying, hey, we're here and ready to help. Um, and a lot of these volunteers have actually gotten to know some of these migrants, and I think they're personally moved by their stories. You talked to one of those volunteers, Mika Yamamoto. She was one of the people who drove migrants from United Lutheran Church to be able to shower in her home. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And she also got some of her neighbors to do the same. You know, Mika, she um, got to talk to this family that she brought into her home using Google Translate. And here's Mm. some of what she heard from these migrants. They walked for nine months through nine countries. But parts of it, they were on a train. And when I say on a train, they were on top of the train. And so they showed me videos of that. They talked about like walking through the jungle. And it's it's unfathomable. Wow, that is unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think even the most sympathetic uh, trustees on the board uh, want to see Oak Park transition from a village-led effort to more of a community-run response. So they're saying, you know what, we as a government can't take this on uh, for the long term, but if we can uh, transfer some of this work uh, to to the community, then we may be able to do this. And from what I heard, volunteers want that too. Some folks have told me they don't exactly know why the village chose 
uh, to house people at a hotel because that is not the most cost effective. They say the village should do more to coordinate all the volunteers and offerings from from churches and faith congregations. One one pastor I talked to said there are several churches ready to house folks uh, on the from the, for the medium to long term, and what they really need from Oak Park officials is is more leadership. Uh, so there's been some disagreements about the methods uh, and how the funds are being used. Now, some Oak Park officials are saying, you know what, we're doing the best we can with the partners that we knew about at the in, in the short time frame. Shelter from the cold is and was the immediate need, and we're doing that. And I would say some officials are taking issue with the way that migrants were, quote-unquote, brought to Oak Park on that cold and snowy night. You know, essentially they're saying if people had not brought these migrants over who were sleeping in tents, Oak Park would not be facing um, this, you know, what, what some trustees call an impossible situation. So it, there's, there's some disagreement there. So there are roughly 160 migrants that the village of Oak Park is housing right now. And I just want to put this in perspective uh, because... There are 20,000 migrants who have right. come to Chicago in the right. last year or so. Tell me about what impact one small village can have on numbers like these. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a cliche, but it's a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. So 160 out of 20,000 is, sure, it's not a lot. Uh, but I think what community members and some leaders are are hoping is that this can actually serve as a model for other communities. Like they want to say, hey, if we can succeed, other small towns can, too. Mm. Um, if everybody can can contribute, these groups of 160 can add up to a large number. You know, they're they're recognizing that Chicago is overwhelmed. They're recognizing that maybe there's labor shortage in their neighborhoods. Um, and they're saying, hey, let's let's all come together and solve several problems at the same time. Mm-hmm. There is a larger city that you also reported on who is looking at inviting some of those migrants into their space for some of the reasons that you talked about. St. Louis, you spoke with someone who basically made a sales pitch to migrants, inviting them to the city. Tell me about Carlos Ramirez. What did he tell you about St. Louis? Yeah, Carlos Ramirez, he's the vice president of Latino outreach for a group called the International Institute of St. Louis. Uh, I talked to him at City Hall, Chicago City Hall, uh, last month, and he said that he just met with Chicago's deputy mayor of immigrant, migrant, and refugee rights, Beatriz Ponce de Leon. She's the point person for migrants here in Chicago. And he had pitched to her, hey, St. Louis is ready to re- resettle some of these migrants. Um, we'd love to take take these folks. We have some population decline. We have labor shortage. And so he was talking about how potentially everyone could benefit. It could be the potential for a great relationship between both uh, cities. And if the people are going to be in a better place, uh, St. Louis is going to be in a better place and Chicago is going to be a better place. I think everybody wins. Okay, so St. Louis is a big city. To me, that seems like they could probably take in a lot of migrants. Um, Is it only the International Institute of St. Louis that's working on this? 
Well, that's the main group. Uh, it's a it's a very established organization that that's been helping immigrants resettle in St. Louis for for years, um, and th- you know they are actually partnering with philanthropy, but also unions um, to provide that workforce piece. I think uh, they are very keen on making sure that this isn't just a population decline solution, but the workforce solution. And so the program itself is um, has a lot of prongs. It's supposed to provide up to three months of housing, uh, cell phones, legal help from immigration lawyers, uh, and I mentioned the jobs component. The unions and, and different groups are partnering to provide apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship programs. Mm. Wow. Tell me a little bit more about the angle they're taking. You mentioned population decline, workforce needs. But I guess I'm wondering, the influx of migrants to Chicago has caused a big strain on the city's housing resources. And it's also created a lot of political pressure. Mayor Brandon Johnson is on the struggle bus when it comes Mm. to this. Um, Is St. Louis somehow, are they like better positioned to provide for migrants? I think that remains to be seen, but that's something that, people in St. Louis are trying to be cautious about. They say there are housing issues there, too. And Ramirez told me they want to be careful to not bring unhoused migrants from Chicago to be unhoused in St. Louis. I right. mean, that's what they're trying to avoid. Uh, the International Institute is working right now to secure as many beds as possible to uh, start bringing folks over in collaboration with uh, Chicago officials. But, you know, once they bring migrants over, they're excited to, to build this workforce um, I talked to Jerry Schlichter. He's a prominent attorney and civic leader there in, in St. Louis. And here's what he had to say about the labor needs in his city. There's a tremendous need for uh, employees. If you look around the country at cities that are growing, it's primarily from immigrants and children of immigrants. And that's what we're trying to build here to increase our population make a more vibrant St. Louis and more diverse St. Louis, which is a benefit for everyone. So President Biden had sped up work visas for nearly half a million migrants in September. Would the migrants that St. Louis is looking to resettle be authorized to work under that program? Yes. In fact, uh, Ramirez told me they are strictly looking to resettle people who are authorized under that program. Ah. So so under that Biden uh, program, only people who arrived on or before July 31st, 2023, even qualify. And of course, we know there's been thousands more who have come after okay, that. I'm like doing the math. I'm like, yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. We have some of the highest numbers after that. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, St. Louis says that it really is planning to only take in people who are ready and have proper uh, processes and documentation in place for those work permits. Got you. So we've got these two communities offering to help some migrants in different ways, two very different communities. I'm wondering if anything struck you as you were covering the ways that they're inviting migrants in. Well, for St. Louis, I would say it's still in the early stages. I mean, it, this hasn't happened yet, but in Oak Park, watching it unfold in, in real time, it's been, I've just been struck by the magnitude of all of this. I mean, it, people call this a crisis, and I, I would say that makes sense. I mean, it takes everybody, government, volunteers, congregations, businesses, um, everybody. Yes. But, of course, not everybody is willing or able 
And don't forget, this is happening on the heels of a pandemic. So you've got cities and towns looking uh, to states for money. You've got states calling on the feds for, for, for funds. It's, it's a lot. And the thing to remember is that this crisis was not just, you know, a few months or a, or a year in the making. I mean, there's mm. geopolitics involved, right? Like yes. U.S. foreign policy, Oof. years of of history uh, between the U.S. and Latin America. And so I, I would just say it, it's, the, it's the sheer magnitude of the issue. And truly, um, for another cliche here, all, all hands on deck. So are there any newer developments that you've noticed since you did your initial reporting on this? Yeah, I checked in with uh, Carlos Ramirez in St. Louis. He says nobody's been moved yet, but that things are, you know, progressing along. He says his group shared uh, its offerings with Chicago officials, and and now it's up to Chicago to to share with migrants who might be interested in moving there. Uh, As for Oak Park, the village recently voted narrowly to allocate another $500,000 of their COVID relief money on top of the $150,000 they'd already committed to help migrants. Um, at the same meeting, village officials also voted, again, narrowly, to extend the emergency declaration to February 6th. Um, they're using this time to explore how they can kind of shift uh, more of the work to the community. And we'll just have to see how all of those things unfold. Yeah. Esther Yunji Kang is a reporter on WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. Esther, thank you. Thanks, Erin. You can find Esther's reporting on these stories at WBEZ.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Klee for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.